All right, welcome to the initial inaugural broadcast of the Long Balls and Loggers podcast. I can't believe it. We're here. Episode one. Um, this is something that, uh, that we've been talking about for probably a couple of years at now. Least, at least a couple of years. And uh, you're here with uh, Justin Reschke and Ryan Noonan. I'm Justin. That's Ryan. Um, How are we doing? Yeah, we're, we're going to try to do this, you know, maybe once a week, once uh, a week, twice a week, something like that, you know, once we get rolling. Um, the whole concept is there's a million sports podcasts out there, and I think Barstool probably has half of them now. Sure, of course they do. Um, and good for them. And, you know, everyone has, you know, a different theme, a different take. Some are, you know, more NFL-based, some are more NBA-based, some are fantasy sports-based. Yep. We're not going to have any one direction that we take this. Uh, we're just going to be like two guys, your, your two buddies, you know, that you're at the bar with, that you're watching a game on the couch with uh, over a couple beers and uh, just talking sports. Um, Doing a little drinking, talking a little ball. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully what we have to say isn't, uh, you know, number one, offensive, um, mm. even though I'm sure it will be. Uh, I, I guess I should say hopefully it's not too offensive. Um, but you know, number two, hopefully it's, it's entertaining. You know, it's, it's really just entertaining. It's not, oh wow. You know, is Fernando Tatis one of the best young players? Of course he is. Of course he is. We yeah. don't need to debate that back and forth for a half hour. Everybody knows that, you know, so it's not, uh, it's not going to be things that are blatantly obvious and it's going to be things that, you know, maybe you can look at a few different ways and that you can joke about, you can get pissed off about, you can argue about. Or you can celebrate about, you know, it's kind of a wide range. We're just going to have some fun with it. Yeah, we're not going to talk about things here that you could hear about in any other podcast. Yeah. We're going to put our own spin on it. It's important to note, too, we were inspired by, you know, Barstool Sports and all those other guys that do their thing. And we want to build something special because they inspired us to do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're just going to have fun with it. And if we're the only two people that ever hear this, then it's still going to be fun for us. So that's all that matters. Time. Absolutely. Um so yeah, uh, each episode we want to kick off with a segment called Happy Hour. Um, it's my favorite time of the day. Absolutely, and it can be any time of the day. Absolutely, which is important to note, especially during quarantine lockdown. That's right. Um, that's the best part, probably the only best part mm -hmm. of this of this whole thing. Absolutely. But um, anyway, Ryan is uh, Ryan's actually in town um, for uh, celebrating his birthday. His birthday was a couple days ago, so happy 48th birthday Thank to you, you, buddy! First of all, you're hilarious. Second of all, I'm not that old. Okay, maybe I'm a little bit old, but I'm not that old. All right, so I'm 36. I turned 36 on the second. It was uh, great to, you know, celebrate something uh, in this year, in this tough year, and uh, go and have a little fun. And now I'm down here uh, having a little bit more fun. So that's 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 what I've been excited about. And and at least we got we got sports on TV to watch. We're we're in Palm Springs right now, by the way, yeah. and it's 120 outside. It feels like uh, 147 literally. degrees outside. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, at least there's sports on, on TV. We can't, you yeah. know, go out and celebrate birthdays the way that we're traditionally used to, but, um, we were still able to get out, get downtown a little bit last night. We're and, making do, man. You know, we've, we've got our masks and, uh, yeah. our servers are, you know, taking care of us and, yep. you know, we're not sitting there making friends like we normally would, but, uh, we're still having fun. So that's, that's important too. And that's all we can do. Yeah. And it's important to remember that, you know, um, take advantage of what you are able to do because it's, uh. It's definitely a, a little treat, you know, yeah. gets you up and doing something anyway. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, while we were sitting there, uh, we were watching, uh, they had the Dodger game on TV from, uh, this was actually a, a couple nights ago, this particular conversation, but um, they had mentioned that, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw became the third youngest pitcher uh, ever to reach 2,500 strikeouts. And that blows me away because I forgot how old he is. And I feel like he's either my age or he's in his early, early 30s. I, I still look at him as a guy who is, you know, almost like a prospect. Like he's still, he's still for me anyway, I, yeah. I know a lot of people are disappointed with his postseason performances and the nagging injuries with the yeah. back and, yeah. you know, but those things happen. You know, all great pitchers in the game nowadays have some sort of stigma, you know, or an injury or something about them, except for maybe Verlander. I know that he's hurt this year, but that guy is, you know, pretty invincible yeah. over the course of his career. But, um, but Kershaw to me is is still a guy that seems like he's you know very very much in the prime of his career. Well, but he because he is yeah, and he takes incredible care of his body. It's it's hard for me to look at him and call him a seasoned grizzled veteran because he just he doesn't have that staleness I guess yep. to him. So good for him reaching twenty five hundred strikeouts. Yeah, big time, um, big time tip of the cap on that one. If he could stay healthy, I think that he's well on his way to wrapping up his career. You know, with over 3,000. But he's going to get at least 3,000 strikeouts. I mean, obviously this year aside, put a dent in how much into 3,000 he could possibly get. Mm-hmm. But there's no question I think he's going to get at least 3,000 strikeouts. I mean, the guy... Is he Hall of Famer? Absolutely. Think so? I mean, I think he's... In, in this era? In this era, I mean, look at who is in the Hall of Fame now. And I think you can go across all, you know, sports with this one. Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl, but he's in the NFL Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's, you know, he had how many records? I'm not sure exactly how many record records Clayton Kershaw has. True. You know, I mean, is he truly one of the all-time elites? But pitching records are going to be few and, and far between, Right. you know, breaking them down um, going forward. Uh, just because a guy that makes 30 starts, that's a lot. You know, well, yeah. you don't have guys making 40, even 50 starts. But you also, you got to look at it. I mean, obviously it's a different generation, but you also have to look at it from the standpoint of look at Maddox and Glavin, right? Yeah. Maddox and Glavin, Maddox was an artist with painting the corners of the plate. I grew up a Braves fan, diehard Braves fan. Maddox was an artist with his skills. And uh, Glavin just had a fluid pitching motion, just, just fluid mechanics. Kershaw is a little bit of, I think, right, a mixture of both of them. Kershaw has the filthiest curveball I've ever seen in my entire life. Anyways, why is that going to get him into the Hall of Fame? It's about the records that he gets now, right? He's how old? I think 30. What do we say? I, I, I thought we said 32. 32. Okay, so he's 32. I'll get, I'll get our fact yeah. checker on so, this. So he's 32 years old. And he's the third youngest player to ever reach 2,500 strikeouts. I personally think... He is 32. Okay, so he's 32. So does he show that he's in any decline whatsoever? Obviously, he's had a few injury issues the last couple of seasons. But does he show that he's in any decline? I don't think so. I think he does. I mean, I think, you know, he used to be a guy that was easily throwing, you know, 94, 95 miles an hour consistently start Mm -hmm. to start and doing it for the whole year. Now, I mean, yeah, sometimes he's that guy. Sometimes he's got that stuff. He's always going to have that curveball. But 
his velocity kind of comes and goes. You know, and some, he, sometimes he struggles to get, you know, 90-92, but he's still effective because he knows how to pitch. Well, and I think he, but I think he masks it just because of what you said. You know, any, any sort of decline in velocity or anything, he masks it because he knows how to pitch. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I personally think, obviously it's hard to, you know, foresee what's going to happen, especially with everything going on right now. I personally think he's going to get a shot at the all-time strikeout record. I'm very much in the minority on that one. I yeah, I don't I don't see that whatsoever. You know, I I, I think that you're looking at. I don't even know if there's a pitcher right now that that I would put into that category. I mean, I, can can Scherzer just keep doing what he's doing and mowing everyone down? Well, you know, yeah, can, Scherzer's a good one. That's can good Garrett point. Cole, you know, step it up? He's he's young enough. He's uh, I don't think playing Garrett on a very Cole, good baseball team right now. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think Garrett Cole is in Scherzer's league yet. Not consistently, but yeah. I mean, stuff wise, you know, they're all there. It's 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 just crazy to think about how the the crazy amount of talented. Oh, there's crazy pitchers. talent for sure, absolutely. But listen, this is my this is my argument. When you're comparing a guy like Garrett Cole to a guy like Scherzer, as a Braves fan, I've been terrorized by Scherzer for the last four or five years, however long he's been with DC. Yeah, right. He's got two different colored eyes. He's insane. The guy is uh, just an incredible force on the mound, and you know, every time I see that Atlanta has to go up against Scherzer, it leaves me with the feeling of oh, yeah, like shit. Oh, here we go. You know. Garrett Cole doesn't strike that fear into me yet. Right. But I think he's also a competitive force on the mound. And I think that given a few more seasons of productive pitching, for him to sharpen his stuff and, you know, really just hammer in on uh, getting the strikeouts, wins, however you want to, you know, track it as far as greatness, he'll get there. It's just he's not there yet. There there really aren't many true aces anymore left. In baseball, the era of having a true every team or most every team has a true ace yep. that you can point to and say, no doubt, that's my number one. It changes for for a lot of teams. For most teams, I'd say it, it changes over the course of a season from week to week. You know, I, yeah. more teams than not go into spring training uh, with a question mark about who's going to start on opening night. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to the talent that we have in the game. I mean, we've we've got the A's and Padres game on in the background here. Mm-hmm in our studio and um and you know there's a guy out of the bullpen for the Padres just pumping 98 Patino you know I mean he's just like you you see all these guys that are 97 98 coming out of the bullpen you see starters that are 94 96 with a change up and a plus breaking ball that they can all throw for strikes every team has you know at least one two of those guys and but consistency is the thing Scherzer does it consistently Kershaw obviously does it consistently um but I mean you, you can even argue that you know, Kershaw is maybe the third best pitcher on his team. You very much could argue that. But, I, I mean, I think another thing that you can argue about Kershaw, and this might be what keeps him out of the Hall of Fame, is that he does not have a clutch gene. Because if you're going to pay a guy that amount of money, he needs to have a clutch gene. And what's happened every time the Dodgers have, you know, gotten a sniff of a World Series title? I like that term, clutch gene, because it's like, that is, we can measure everything yeah in baseball we can tell that a fastball spins and rotates you know 2400 times per minute by the time that it you know reaches home plate that's the spin rate we we know that we can measure it with cameras we can measure it with radar we can project how long a ball would have traveled if a wall or a seat wasn't there all these different amazing things we can't measure and we can't 
predict the clutch gene. You can't do it. You just can't. And it's... You can look at track records and you can look at, okay, is it, you know, what is the difference? Well, I, shit, there is no difference. Well, no, you know, you, the, but you can't. The, the dimensions of the field, the Dodger Stadium, don't change when yeah. the calendar flips over to October. You cannot. The teach mound doesn't clutch. get further from the plate. You know, anywhere you go, and it, it just it's it's a really interesting dynamic. So, for me, if Clayton wins, you know, a uh, a, a World Series, which I would I would think that he would. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers are really they've become they've got the talent, a perennial powerhouse. They've got the budget. They're not yeah. afraid to spend now. Yeah. They have good, uh, excellent management. Probably some of the best management in the game with Andrew Friedman steering the ship absolutely, down there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but if he wins a World Series, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. Not only if, no so, doubt. so if he wins, but but just to build on that a little bit, if he wins a World Series, I say that it's not only he's going to get in. I say he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, I can make an argument for that. You're you're looking at a guy like like Roy Halladay that is in the Hall of Fame, and oh. everyone said absolutely. Can I just take a, I just need a, to Roy to, to Roy. I just I need to have a sip uh, on Roy's memory. Incredible uh, documentary oh, on on ESPN gone way too um, soon. a couple months ago about that whole thing. Just you know? gone way too soon. Sad it's situation, just... but it shows really what these guys go through and the level that they compete at, and what it takes to, to get them back out of out on the field. Yeah, and you know Kershaw, he's he's had his injury troubles, and we've obviously seen the worst of what can happen. Um, you know when when injuries start to pile up, so we certainly you know hope that. Uh, that no one ever really has to go through that again just yeah. for, for chasing success. Well, and I, I got to ask you this because we, you know, this is the happy hour segment and what's happy hour without a little bit of trivia. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, name me, please, a pitcher in baseball who has anywhere close to Roy Halladay's work ethic. I don't think you're going to find one. No, I don't think that you're going to find one either. I mean, that guy was a machine for his entire career. It, his entire career. Our, our machines among us, I, I think they were, when, when Roy Halladay was in his prime on the mound, he was a walking, talking machine. And, and he's, he's Hall of Famer, no doubt. So Kershaw is probably in that conversation. We, we he's have got some to, work to do, though. We have to look at, you know, like it used to be, unless he had 300 wins, you weren't a Hall of Famer. And then, you know, you start talking about Mike Messina. Well, he doesn't have 300 wins, but he has all these other, you know. Right. Uh, team records and uh, incredible stats, and he did it for so long. Um, you know, it's like okay, well, you know, now that criteria we mm. have to change, and I think it's definitely changing in the favor of pitchers like Clayton Kershaw. But either yeah. way, there is no doubt Clayton Kershaw is one of the best pitchers, probably the best left-handed pitcher of this generation, yeah, of this era. You know, your your 2010s. Um, so. I think that, that that alone, you know, we're going to start looking at the game era by era and say, okay, who was the best player for that era? Who's the best pitcher for that era? Who are the Hall of Famers of that era? Any list is going to include Kershaw. It is. Well, and then the other thing, too, is if uh, if Manfred keeps fucking the game up, you know, like he's trying to do, then oh, then Lord. records are going to be completely irrelevant because we're not going to have anything to really compare them to. Uh, there's so. not enough beer in the world for me <laughs> to drink when I talk about that, man. That, you talk about rage drinking. Yeah. Manfred yeah. makes me rage drink beer. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's let's wrap up this uh, this first happy hour segment. Let's just talk about you know what a great first happy all, hour. What a great happy hour segment. See, that's what we've we're been, talking we've about. We've been going for twenty minutes on. Yeah, we were thinking this was going to be a co- oh welcome to our my birthday shenanigans stupid show and, and then here we are Clayton Kershaw. What what <laughs> I mean what a great happy hour segment. By the way, I'm still tooting my own horn for naming this the happy hour segment. Don't strain yourself, patting yourself on your. You back. You know what? That's that's enough out of you. All right. Uh, 
God, what a great happy hour segment. That, that, that went about as, as beautifully as I think it could have. Well, uh, we're going to take our couple of glasses where we got to Ballast Point Aloha Sculpin Hazy oh, IPA. Oh, man, this is a good, this is a good beer. It's, it's, your, it's your typical summer beer. It's, yeah. It's not heavy. Um, this is also the, it's 125,000 degrees outside in exactly. Palm Springs kind of a beer. So it works for me, man. Delicious. I, goes down easy. Ballast Point right out of uh, San Diego. Oh, I need so, to go visit that brewery. If I go visit that brewery. It's a cool spot. It's a really cool spot. Man, if I go visit that brewery, I don't know what's going to happen next. Getting this stuff on tap is amazing. Oh, so Don't tempt me with a good time. Anyway, cheers. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. We're going to move on. Uh, this happy hour segment was brought to you by Lamp, our trusty attack dog. Yep. Lamps over there, just not caring Hanging about out. anything. <laughs> Hunting down all the ants. Oh, there's no ants in here. Well, we've got um, we've got the NFL starting uh, wow. next week. Is it that time already? Five days. It didn't seem like it would ever get here. Um, and here we are five days away from the start of the NFL regular season. No preseason, which a I'm lot actually, of fans, okay with, a lot of fans are really okay with it. As a season ticket holder, I'm okay with that. Um, players have been clamoring for years about reducing the, the number of preseason games. As they should. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, to be thrown right into regular season competition, um, I'm a big Chargers guy, so I've been watching sure. Hard Knocks. And I'm a Niners guy. There you go. And on, on Hard Knocks, one of the things that they talk about is... Shout out to Jimmy G, Optimus Time. Love you, bro. <laughs> there you go. Um, one of the things that they talked about was, you know, the monotony of just going through the walkthroughs yeah. and you're not in pads and you're moving at a snail's pace. You're literally walking through. They would spend, you know, up to 30, 40 minutes just on snap counts. There wouldn't even really be a football there. They would just be going over snap counts and, you know, the, the pre-play alignments and different motions and, mm. you know, changing the play at the line and, you know, calling it audible or it, it, all this right. stuff without actually snapping the ball then they progress and okay then the next week they're putting helmets on and they're they're running you know they're maybe going 70 80 percent you know still very little contact there's some mm. shuffling around at the line you know guys trying to block and get by uh corners are running with wide receivers they you know yeah holding the whole time <laughs> of you course know, but see but it's it's you're talking about all that nitty-gritty stuff but to be honest if i was a football player i would wake up in the morning and be like yes yeah, I get to go freaking do that. Let's go. They seem to love it, but then they they put the pads on. Then they go full speed. Yeah, and they were talking about it. That adjustment that they have to make from going from just the helmets to the pads. They couldn't wait to get the pads on. But those first few days with the pads, they they, they were blown up. I just you like know? seeing people hit people in training yeah. camp. Yeah, they were they were blown up. They were getting tired. Um, Are you just there for the training camp fights? Because I am not. Gonna lie. <laughs> There haven't been any that what that, that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, oh, what is with this year, man? You, Come on, you've got you've got both LA teams in the middle of a pandemic in a brand yeah, new stadium, man. They're just true. they're just happy to be there. They're yeah, just happy to be back out on the field. You know, I think that's a, that's that's true, man. That's true. and they're in SoCal. You know, like it's not like they're in a field in you know Cincinnati. Sorry, what blo- yeah. <laughs> what blows me away is that when all of this started, I think every day of every week of every month, like back in what, February or May when all this went, Mar- sorry, March when March, all this went down. Yeah, it was March, what, 12th? I mean, went to every, yeah, right? Every <laughs> day and week went by at a snail's pace and now it's like, I just went to sleep and woke up and oh my God, it's September? 
Yeah. And football starting next week. And we're going to actually maybe have some normalcy for once going on around here. Is it going to be normal? As as normal as possible. I mean, I don't have to drive to Levi Stadium an hour plus both ways. So that's nice. Love me some Levi Stadium. Don't get me wrong. But I'm becoming accustomed to sitting on my couch and putting my feet up and cracking open a beer and watching sports on TV. So, you know, the Niners are in a great situation right now where, um, you know, I can sell my tickets if I have to and just enjoy the game at home. Yeah, and that's that's true. I mean, no one will buy your tickets in 2020. Sorry to, to break that news. Well, for yeah. You. Well, I don't have any tickets to worry about in 2020. <laughs> I got credited for next year, so Niners really helped us out on that one. All the season ticket holders. But the the experience of watching football is moving rapidly, and yeah. I, I I think it's it's already it's already done this for baseball. Yeah. You see that. I mean, you know, television ratings for for baseball are are down as well, mm. but live attendance is down. You're right. It is a hassle. You're driving, you know, an hour in, in probably most people's cases, you know, people don't live exactly right where these stadiums are. Cause they're either in the heart of a city and it's just super, you know, expensive and pricey and inconvenient to live Absolutely. in the heart of the city. And then, you know, I think or they're what, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think what turns off a lot of people too, is when you go to particular stadiums that are named after particular owners and they try to claim that it's a, Disney World, if you get my drift on that one. I don't want to call anybody out by name. You know who you are. Charging $22 for a beer. Exactly. Out of your mind. You can get, you know, a couple 12-packs for $22. Sit on your own couch. Watch everything in high, in high definition. I could get a Have replay on demand. You want to see a play again, no problem. Go back. Then you can fast forward through the, that next commercial break that you know is coming 40 seconds later. And get all caught up again. No, no big issue. No. And you don't have to leave the house. And you can have over as many people as you want. And it doesn't cost you anything more. Well, and then when you and I went to that stadium that shall not be named for that one particular game for my birthday last year, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. How annoying. We can call we? it Jerry World. Okay, it's Jerry World. Sorry, but it's It's true. a gem, but it's it, in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, but, you know, for as much beef as I had about the concession prices at Jerry World, the inside of it is it just... In, insanely gorgeous and that video screen inside Jerry sorry I got totally sidetracked by this but it's so true the video board inside Jerry World is the stuff that dreams are made of yeah and you know, going there for a game that's an experience oh yeah 100% that is you know did we mutually say that that was part yeah, of our it doesn't matter list? who's playing who's on the field no you're seeing that arena. It's like going to Yankee Stadium. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, absolutely. It's it's just, and I'm talking new Yankee Stadium, which is absolutely pristine. Yeah. Um, it is a great, you know, venue. Right. I don't know if it's a great baseball park stadium yet, but it's a great venue. It's impressive. But either way, you you compare that experience. You know, going to SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, that's going to be, or sorry, in Inglewood, yeah. that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be an experience. You of know, of course it is. There's there's always going to be those game day experiences. Um, I've, I've been to Levi's several times now. I would argue that Levi's is no longer an experience. No, it's not. It's a newer stadium, but it's, again, I'm going to call it the middle of nowhere because Santa Clara is a little suburb with, you know, some tech companies. Right. And uh, no one really no one really lives well, there. But at least you know, they no got one... the, yeah, but at least they got the parking situation figured out. Finally. Thank, thank merciful God, because that was my biggest beef for years when that place opened. But, but if, if, you, open. if you go to a place like FedEx Stadium 
and you're watching the Washington football team. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, who, who Try wants to... Try to say that name with a little less disdain in your voice. <laughs> who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? You know, who wants to yeah. go there when you can just stay, stay home, watch? Throw, throw red zone up, too. You know, have, have every single that game. that stadium looks like a trash heap. Sorry, but it does. Exactly. But, you know, here we are, and the grass is always greener, right? That's right. It's still 2020, and we can't even go to a game in California if we wanted to. But there are some teams... That starting with Thursday in yep. Kansas City, the Chiefs, when they host the Texans, there are going to be up to 22,000 fans at Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, how yeah. it's, it's incredible to think about. Me personally, I think that we can do it responsibly and safely. 22,000 in a stadium that holds, I don't know, up, upwards of 60 or 70. I knew, I, more than that, what, I would say whatever it is. about 75, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's... That's easily you doable. You can socially distance. You can have people that you know can make sure to yeah. keep people spread apart. And I think it's a great way to do it. I think it's badly needed in sports. And I would argue that you could even do that with Major League Baseball, too, or any of the sports going on right now. I think that you could do it with Major League Baseball. Um, Hockey? I don't know. Well, hockey's got the bubble plan, which I, I think is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why the NFL didn't do what the UFC did and just buy an island to build a football stadium there and bring all 32 teams out and play games Which all they day long on, on, I don't know how many fields you would need right. Right, to have all, what, six, eight, so You're going to have like a, 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 yeah. It's a hundred yards. It's a hundred yards of grass or turf. Figure it out. Keep all your players safe. But no, I mean, and, and that's fine. You know, now we're in a situation where some teams are going to have fans. Some teams aren't. Right. 22,000 fans at Arrowhead. It's the loudest stadium in the game. Is that going to make it a competitive Difference is that going to make you know a difference of, for example, which goal line a team defends? Mm-hmm. That is based on noise in a lot of these stadiums. It's going to be it's going to provide a very interesting dynamic. I think there's no question so about that. Is it going to be much of an advantage on the field? It's it's hard to tell. Um, I wrote a story or uh, a story about this on our website longballsandloggers.com earlier this week, talking about that potential advantage. And maybe it's not on the field. Maybe it is. Who knows? Maybe it's enough to get in the players' heads of, oh, shit, there's fans here. And there weren't fans in L.A. last week, but there are fans now. Even if it's not loud enough to really distract from play calls, it's just another thing that players are going to make a note of one way or another. Um, Is it an advantage? Who knows? We don't know yet. what What is an advantage is... The average ticket price for the Kansas City Chiefs, I want to say it was like $88 last which is, year. Which is about what it is for the Niners fans, too. In, in 2019. Yeah. Next year, they're Super Bowl champions. They have the most popular player in the game lining up under center for them. Yeah. That ticket price is going to be a hell of a lot more. Then you, you mention that and you throw that in on top of there's only going to be 22,000 people there, so it's already going to be a very hot ticket to try and get. So that that average ticket price, it's going to go up 200, 300, 400, who knows? Yeah. Gillette Stadium, if you're going to go watch the Patriots, you're, the average ticket price there is over seven hundred dollars. But I think I think that's going to tank. I think that price is going to tank because. But here's here's the point though. You have eight home games if you're the Chiefs. Right. You're making tens of millions of dollars. Right. Over those eight home games. Just off of those twenty-two thousand fans, twenty-two thousand—it's a drop in the bucket compared to what they would normally draw. Yeah, that's true. But they're making tens of millions now. Tens of millions—is that really a lot to an NFL owner? No, it's pocket change. Well, it depends. 
I mean, all these guys are billionaires. There are That's no true. millionaires. They're all billionaires. Right. So to them personally, fine. But are they running their teams to win as many games as possible? Or are they running their teams as efficiently as possible? And I guarantee you the Dean Spanos in Los Angeles, even though today they, they just re-signed Keenan Allen. Great, I saw great deal. Second highest paid wide receiver. Uh, four years, $80 million was that deal. But I guarantee you that... An owner like Dean Spanos that typically does not go after big money free agents mm-hmm. and spend a ton um, really doesn't spend right up to the cap, you know, too often. No. Um, those owners, after a whole year of not having fans, whether it's, you know, one fan or 22,000 fans, mm-hmm. that's going to enter their thinking. Spanos, he's a billionaire. He, he's, he doesn't care. This doesn't make a difference well, to him. Well, you know, he's got some business acumen. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean. And, and his team is now this much more valuable, right. even though they don't own a stake in the stadium, they're still playing in Los Angeles. Sure. That Charger brand is going to be more valuable. Um, but either way, that zero fans is going to affect the finances of that team. And, okay, they re-signed Keenan Allen, but maybe when it's time to re-sign Mike Williams, maybe they're saying, ah, you know, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe we, they see that they we, get We had a whole season. We lost out on, you know, revenues of uh, yeah. potentially approaching nine figures, you know, from ticket sales and concessions and all that. Mm-hmm. Um and again, I'm, I'm talking broadly. I'm not talking about SoFi Stadium because I, I know that the Rams get some of the ticket sales from the Chargers and there's some sharing there uh, right. with concessions as well. And okay. Um, but just in general, that thinking is going to enter the minds of these owners and the minds of these GMs. Um, and it's going to affect football, football personnel decisions on the field. And that's why I'm of the opinion it's got to be all or nothing. Right. And we can't have all or nothing because entire states like California won't allow any fans. So I think that it's enough of an advantage financially off the field where you just have to shut it down and say, okay, we're not going to do this until everybody can do this. Right. I, I think, well, and just for the sake of it being fair, too, I mean, it's like you said, we're all, it's all, it's all or nothing. That, I mean, and I've always been of the mindset, too. So some teams get to have the added dynamic of fan noise there, others don't. Right. And, and that, I don't think that that's going to be too big of an issue because 22,000, it's, it's, you know, what, a quarter, if that, yeah. of, of some of these stadiums. And it's not going to be the overwhelming, you know, just roar, right. the constant roar, people standing and cupping their hands and yelling directly at that huddle, you mm-hmm. know, when their home team's on defense. It's not going to create that kind of an advantage, but it's still going to be, it's still going to be something. And, you know... We're watching this baseball game right now. They've got the cardboard cutouts. They got the piped-in sound. To me, as a viewer, that was distracting initially. It's hugely distracting. It still is for me in some instances. In some instances, yeah, for for sure. You know, it's it's. I see why they did it. They're trying to involve the fans somehow. But you watch and like. I mean, this is a Fox broadcast, and they've got the digital fans now in these seats and in the background, right in the outfield, and. It looks like they're floating on top of the seats, number one, so it looks cheesy. It doesn't look natural. It creates another distraction as a viewer. I wish that all these teams would have done what the NHL did right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Tarp over your seats that are in camera view. Do it with sponsors even. It, it doesn't matter. You know, right. As long as it's not something gaudy and neon, you know, it's fine. It's something that's there in the background, but it doesn't draw your attention immediately. Yeah. And then what the NHL did in Edmonton and in Toronto, they essentially turned those two arenas into giant television studios 
with screens and flashy graphics and the ability to add things digitally in between plays uh, to the background. And it creates a really nice experience. They do pipe in the crowd noise, um, but it sounds natural, number one. Right. And number two, there's nothing about it that's visually distracting. You know that fans aren't there, duh. But it's not like, oh, this looks so weird with no fans. No, they definitely did it the right way. They definitely did. And I think the NFL missed the boat on it with with doing a bubble. Uh, you know, it's just this whole year is just one giant sports funk. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled that it's on TV. But it's the same thing like if I was watching NASCAR, if I was watching F1, or if I was watching any type of sport, period. You know, not having fans there is is weird. Yeah, um, I, I didn't notice it. You know, I mean, baseball aside, because... You know, most teams are doing the cardboard cutouts. Other teams are doing other things. You know, baseball was a little weird and a little strange to get used to, but the crowd doesn't really play a big role in baseball. You know, they're typically not super loud, you know, unless right. it's like the playoffs or something like that. Um, I didn't really notice what fans contribute to an event. And I didn't, you know, I guess I'll say I didn't miss the fans mm-hmm. until I watched the Indy 500. Yeah. Watching the Indy 500 at an empty Indianapolis Motor Speedway when normally they, they get over 300,000 people there every single year. They've done it every single year. Well, for you and I watched it together last year when Matt Damon and Christian Bell waved the flag. And, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And, and they, were, they were out promoting Ford versus Ferrari. I mean, just the fan dynamic and the fans missing out on the pageantry and the tradition. It's an event. Tradition. It's an event. And you it's know? loud. Yeah. And it's, you see those cars and there's just people as far as you can see on the broadcast. Right. And it's really impressive. And watching that, you're like, oh, this is this is this is the Indy 500 right now. You yeah. Know, it looks like just you know cars. Looks like guys going out for a joyride around a track. Looks and, like looks like testing. You know, yeah. looks like preseason testing or something like that. But hopefully the NFL doesn't have that feeling. Hopefully they have a way to, you know, keep the fan side of it as something that's engaging because the fans are engaging. They are a part of the game in football. And hopefully it's not just all or nothing, you know, kind of like what we talked about. Right. And I just don't want it to be a distraction. If so, there's not fans in the seats, I don't want to look at those seats and be like, wow, this is really well, weird. Well, then you're going to have to say, okay, are, is the defense going to hear the huddle? Or how are you going to adjust for there being no fan noise? Because if, I, if I'm if i a player on defense and I can hear, uh, you know, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo in the, in, the, in the huddle saying... That's a good point. Deuce right, 84, something, 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 you know, and I'll be able to pick up on some stuff. So how are they going to, uh, you know, coach for that and get around that? Because typically, you know, you're not able to hear stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I think that that's where they are just going to pipe in crowd noise right. to, in, into these arenas, right? you know, and the broadcast, obviously, directly. And that's... That's going to cover up a lot of that stuff because Good. otherwise, I mean, if I'm a player on defense and if I'm playing in L.A., I'm standing right up as close as I can mm-hmm. to that line of scrimmage and I'm telling my sidelines and my guys, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I'm going to get this play right here. Yeah, exactly. Try and figure something out. You know, try to figure out is it going right? Is it going left? You know, is it, is it a run? Is it or a pass? Or do you do a college football move and you have those boards that they hold up with different things? Maybe then, we'll see that too. Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll see something like that too. So I got to ask you, with with uh, you know there being no fans in NFL uh, stadiums this year, and or I should say minimal fans, depending on where, depending on where you go. Um, I've been really excited about asking you this question since we're coming up on it now, and it's and it's been a minute since we've had some football. 
Week one matchups, man. What are you thinking? Uh, what do you think is, is going to be the best matchup of the year? I mean, I think I'm, I'm personally very curious to see how the Chiefs uh, pick up from winning the Super Bowl. Is there going to be any Super Bowl hangover? Uh, is it going to be a distraction with, you know, with minimal fans there versus the usual ruckus game day crowd? Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I think Patty Mahomes is going to pick up right where he left off. I think that he's the best quarterback in, in football right now. Um, I think that in no particular order, the top three quarterbacks are Patty Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. That's just me, but that's a different argument. So you get, you're looking at a guy like... Uh, no no Deshaun Watson in there in your top three? Uh, see, Deshaun just, Watson... Just extended him, big deal. Yeah, that was an impressive deal, but but I'm looking at a quarterback that's, that's had some accomplishments, and I haven't really right. seen Watson accomplish much. I mean, he's Do- not there yet. Doesn't have the pedigree. You're exactly. right about that. Drew Brees. He, Brees, yeah. Uh, I would say at least top five. I mean, that's in no particular order with the exception of Patty Mahomes is number one. I think you just have to go by what the eye test is showing you, and it's Mahomes. He's, he's absolutely the, the best player yeah. in, in the league, regardless of position. He's explosive. Right. He can turn a play into six points from anywhere on the field. And then my favorite player on defense is going to be in that game as well, watching J.J. Watt. The guy is a physical animal that's freak of nature. Nuts. And, you know, he's great dude, too. Great dude. I mean, just a guy that you can sit down and talk ball with, you know, when you, when he's not on the field and just a big kind of like a goofball teddy bear, I would dare I say, off of the, off of the football field. The Watt family is kind of like the Mannings of, of defense. You know, bit, they're, yeah. they're all they're all great, great guys. They they come from a very, you know, strong family background. They're very involved uh, with, you know, phil- philanthropy. Yeah. Efforts. Um, well, TJ. Uh, the the not they're gauging. selling uh, they're selling subway sandwiches now. Yeah, they are. Good, oh, you know, good for them. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, well, TJ uh, and the other with Derek, yeah. they're, they're both uh, uh, on the Steelers now. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that uh, that they got traded. That he got traded to the Steelers. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. You know, I'm looking forward to to just watching some ball and just just. But when you look at somebody like J.J. Watt and you look at what kind of a physical force he is, I mean, the guy's had some just gruesome injuries to deal with. But when you see his gym habits, oh, man, it just makes you want to run through a it makes you want to run through a brick wall. It's just it's it's incredible. It's just and then you just end up looking at yourself while you're watching this game. You end up thinking to yourself, well, what have I done lately? You know, it's time. Maybe I should go, you know, hit the bench press or do something like that. Then you remember the gyms are closed, but whatever. (laughs) He's a motivator. I, he's, he's a, a motivator. motivator. Absolutely. He's, you're just drawn in, you know. Um, but, yeah, he'll, he'll get it kicked off on Thursday uh, against the Chiefs. They'll start their Super Bowl defense yeah. in, uh, you know, going from one of the craziest, uh, you know, NFL seasons in recent memory mm. um, to 2020 where we really don't know what's going to happen. It's anything but, tic- uh, but typical here. Um, another matchup that I'm interested in uh, – on Sunday, uh, where we jump into the full slate of uh, NFL games, Dolphins and Patriots. Interesting. Dolphins, they usually have the Patriots number. They yeah. they, they always play agitator. That game is in New England. Um, you know, different than than it being in Miami, for example. But uh, it's new or maybe it's not. Maybe yeah. it's not in twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, they're again. What is that advantage? But completely new era in in New England. Yeah, Brady gone. Gronk, back and gone. <laughs> yeah, you know you've got uh, you got Edelman there. That's... You've got the retirement home. Um, you know in in, in Tampa Bay, the uh, retirement home. Patriots, <laughs> Patriots South. You know they're yeah they're like the Stones on their farewell tour. Yeah, 
And then, you know, if Edelman ends Which up, I don't think the Stones have ever had a farewell tour yet. I don't think yet. they have. They're probably still touring. Or they, if they have, they've had like two of them. <laughs> They're the Tom Brady of, of rock and roll. But let me tell you, if Edelman ends up going to Tampa, I'm just going to look at this whole situation <laughs> and be like, are you kidding me? Well, who's, who's, whose team is it in New England now? Is, is, is Edelman the guy? He's, he's a grinder. Edelman. Everybody loves him. He makes plays. Yeah. Edelman's, he's versatile. Yeah. He gets everybody else up. I, I say for now... I say for now it's Edelman's team until we see how the quarterback situation shakes out between Stidham and Cam. Yeah, Cam, because Cam Newton, week one starter. He's the week one starter. And, you know... I mean, I, M- little, MVP candidate at yeah, one point in his career. Right, you know, like, and then hopefully he can have some kind of a career research. Well, I shouldn't say career resurgence. I mean, he's been a little... You know, he play, didn't really go anywhere. He's still a great quarterback. He's just been getting crushed by injury. I mean, I, his shoulder was in a bad situation. But, you know, I, I want to see... I want to see how the quarterback situation plays out in New England before um, I, you know, I, I figure out whose team it is. I think for now, it's for sure Edelman. I don't think there's any question about that. Well, they, they need a win desperately on Sunday. They I do would need think a win desperately. That's, that's got to be one of the most important games in terms of just an individual team right. to win or lose to get this new era of Patriot football started. Right. Belichick has to prove – he can win it without Tommy. That he can win it without a second head coach on the field right. and also in his head. But, you know, me, but th- those you guys are, are telepathic, mostly. The, most AFC the East, the AFC East is going to be one of the most intriguing divisions to watch this year simply because it's now more competitive. It because is. you've got teams like the Jets, you've got teams like the Bills, you've got teams like the Dolphins that are all saying, oh, okay, touchdown Tommy's not there anymore. Now it's anybody's game. They all want to be the team to take that next step and step up. I mean, yeah. you guys is it going to be the Jets though? I, I, Sam Darnold. I Some mean, really? question marks we, there. No, we, no doubt about it. But can we turn the page on this guy? What about Tua? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what well, about Tua? Well, the Jets fans have been asking that about <laughs> Sam Darnold for about a year or two now. But I mean, since about at, three seconds after he he uh, yeah. hugged the commissioner on the stage. Well, then look at Tua. Right? Tua, rookie coming in this year. I mean, he's a great talent. There's no doubt about that, even though it makes me feel dirty saying that. because How, how, has, how has everything around Tua been so quiet? I, I'm stunned at that. I'm, I'm stunned at that. And I think maybe, you don't hear that guy's name. No, you don't. And I think <laughs> a, lot of it has to do with, um, a lot of it has to do with what we're dealing with right now, I think, with the, with the pandemic. I think there hasn't been as much football coverage because – of everything that's going on. There's been a lot of focus on, I think they altered seasons like for baseball as an example. And I think a lot of people are kind of a little not worried, but hesitant about, about covering it because they don't know how it's all going to shake out. So, you know, when you have a guy like Tua who you're absolutely right, he's been miraculously out of the picture. I don't think anybody said his name out loud that I've seen on sports TV for months how is he? It's the same clip of, of him running around and throwing, and then there was a story that he was cleared for full football activity. Well, because okay. he was Great. hurt, because he had well, yeah. he had massive the injury. Yeah, it was the hip. It was the hip, right? Yeah, yeah, he had a hip surgery. So, you know, him being cleared for uh, for for football activities is, is a big deal, and I want to see what he's like back at 100 percent at the pro level because when he was at Alabama, I mean, yeah, Man, that 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 dude, that dude for a whole half put the team on his back sure. in his debut and went out and won a national championship in overtime. Well, yeah, and you know, <laughs> rivalry and jokes aside, I mean, and you know, God knows I can make plenty of them cuz that, that's our rival, but you know, 
He's he's an he's, Auburn he's, guy. Yeah, I am an Auburn guy. But you know, I, I I know enough about college football or just football in general to know when, you know, if there's a good talent out there that plays the position hard, I'll give credit where credit's due. I, I I'm not you know I'm not above that. I'll give credit where credit's due. Tua I think is going to be very intriguing player to watch this year. I'm very excited about that, and hopefully the Dolphins can get back to prominence that's been sorely missing since Marino retired. I think they got to build that team around Tua and they got to get some more weapons and they got to really build that team up. And I think now that the division is going to be a little bit more competitive, I think that's what's going to happen. And they've, they've got a good offensive line to go along with it too. Yeah, and that's they, what starts. They have some other interesting offensive players, some dynamic players, players that maybe don't have a full-on identity right now and right. how they're going to be used. No one knows what's going to happen with his offense right now. Yeah, It's well, a clean slate. But the other thing... We haven't had members of the media allowed to attend these practices and these workouts on the same level with the same access that they would normally have. Probably why we haven't heard much about it, these players. So while, while they can you know, get out there and stand half a football field away right. from Tua and see him taking some snaps, and you know, they're, they're not going to see him you know, really make the plays, go through the full playbook, work on all those details, they, they, they can see from a very 10,000 foot level, yeah. how he might be meshing with the team, but that also takes the pressure off of him. Yeah. We're not talking about what did Tua do in practice today? Maybe in Miami they are, but they're certainly not doing a national. Well, we're, well, we're not going to hear that here. Exactly. If they're talking about it in Miami. I mean, that's just, we're not going to get that out here. The only thing we're going to get out here is for you, you know, with the chargers, how's Tyrod Taylor uh, stacking up to Justin Herbert in terms of a quarterback competition? Yeah. Or is there a quarterback competition? I'm hearing about. If you Jim, ask Anthony Lynn. Yeah. There, there was never a quarterback competition. Right. He, he named Tyrod Taylor the starter already. Good move. Did, yeah. it, did it last week. Right. Get that distraction out of the way and take that last week to just focus on the details. Yep. Justin Herbert seems to have a great attitude, great work ethic. He's obviously athletic as hell. He's raw, though. He needs and to he's be talented. Developed. But yeah. uh, I didn't realize this. He never took a snap under center at Oregon. He was always in the shotgun. Really? So in terms of playing the pro game, that's going to be a big adjustment. Just little things like that that you don't think of. Everyone thinks, oh, he's a rookie. He's a first-round pick, high pick. You know, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's accurate. He's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, you know, he's yeah. a tall guy, quick guy. He can make all the throws you need him to make. But then you think, shit, he didn't take a single snap under center his entire college he career. He didn't take a snap under center when we saw him in Dallas? No. Really? Every single snap wow. out of the shotgun. Yep. That's the offense that wow. – uh, the, that they run. So just going to that. Yeah. And there was, again, like, I don't want to keep harping on hard knocks because I'm the Chargers guy. Sure. But there was something he, he was talking to Tyrod Taylor about just the cadence of the count because mm -hmm. Tyrod Taylor was watching off and he's got the earpiece on obviously. So he knows sure. what players are, are coming in and he's observing, but every single time and the defense on the other side of the ball, and this was again, during a walkthrough, the defense on the other side of the ball doesn't know, you know, right. And the drill was for Herbert to go up and make an adjustment at the line. And they might call two plays in the huddle, and then he would go up and then relay the message, okay, this is what we're going to run. Mm -hmm. And Tyrod Taylor picked it out every single time. Herbert, Herbert the cadence on the run plays mm -hmm. was different than the cadence on the pass plays. Mm. And the defense picked it up. Tyrod Taylor picked it up. And it's just those little details. Yeah, Everything that you do is going to be under a microscope, and that's – going to make or break your entire career in the NFL. You can have all the talent in the world. Yep. You know, Josh Rosen, talented dude. You know, uh, Mark Sanchez was an incredibly talented dude. I'm just going to 
beat down the Pac-10, 12, whatever they are now here. You know, Sam Darnold, uh, talented dude. He's got, you know, some injury issues too. Pac-12 hasn't had a good quarterback go to the NFL in how long? Well, I mean, Jared, Jared Goff ended up working okay, out. Goff is the But one he's working exception. with Sean McVay. He's, yeah. he's working with probably the best offensive mind in the game. So, that you know. shows you that coaching matters. Right. Aaron Rodgers. Again, coaching matters. I mean, granted, Mike McCarthy's not there anymore, but still, yeah. I, you know, coaching matters. And, I mean, with Aaron Rodgers' situation, he is a GM that doesn't put anything around him. So, um, but anyways, the other thing I wanted to ask you, because I'm very, very intrigued about this. Is it just me, or is it going to be weird seeing Tom Brady in another uniform? It's going to be weird, but I think it's going to be fun because there's there's no pressure anymore. Right. He doesn't have to be New England Patriots Tom Brady. He doesn't have to be six-time champ. Yes, yeah, six-time yeah. champ, yep. He doesn't have to be six-time champ Tom Brady. He can be Tom Brady on the tail end of his career. Right. Everybody knows wh- which direction he's trending in right now. He's not expected – to go in and turn Tampa Bay into a perennial Super Bowl contender. If he stayed in New England, he'd still have all that pressure on him. He'd be looked at as the guy that, well, the goal for the Patriots this year is the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. The goal for the Buccaneers this year? Playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah. You know, probably the playoffs, right? Yeah. So that's, that's what he's going in with. It's a lot less pressure. It's a team where he can step in. And I think everybody, players obviously, um, on both sides of the ball, but coaching staff, coordinators, yeah, uh, position coaches, they're all going to pick his brain, not because they want Tom Brady knowledge or Tom Brady opinions or this or that. They want New England Patriot opinions. They, yeah. they want to know how to win. They want to know how to create a dynasty and create that winning culture. Yeah. And that's what he can do. He well, can I do all see, that stuff. I want to see Bruce Arians get his hands on Tom Brady in terms of coaching him mm-hmm. and the play calling and see what magic happens between the two of them because – I mean, yeah, you have a guy like Gronk who's there now who is obviously going to be Brady's go-to target, or if not one of you know, if not the go-to target, one of them for I'm sure. I'm sure. He's always going to be – that's, that's yeah, going to be And we're probably going to be treated to YouTube videos of Gronk partying in Tampa, whatever. I mean, Yeah, or he's, or he's going to strain a hammy week two and we will never see him Yeah, again. exactly. I mean, Gronk's going to Gronk, but, you know, that's fine. And I'm just – I want to see what's going to happen with Brady, I mean, arguably having more weapons around him in Tampa – than he ever did in New England. That's and, it's a pretty big claim, but I mean, let's you're not wrong. You know, yeah. you, you've got Mike Evans who has he's had, I guess, you know, talented quarterbacks right. throwing to him. I, he hasn't had elite quarterbacks throwing to him. Um, he's been serviceable, right? But again, he hasn't been elite. He hasn't been the guy that is right. who's your quarterback. No doubt, it's. Right. It's this, you know. Right, right. But now it's who's your quarterback? Tom Brady. Yeah. There's no doubt, you know. There's no questions. He's not going to put up four picks a game probably. You right. Know, unless he pulls out Phillip Rivers and just goes completely Which backwards. is not out of the realm of possibility. Now, let, let us pause for just one moment uh, to just acknowledge that we're coming to the top of the hour. And this podcast is turning into a two-beer situation. So we would not be doing our uh, – podcast uh, a good service if we didn't at least mention that it's a, a two beer situation going on yeah so it should be more honestly it re- really I'm kind should. of disappointed we're, we're talking way too much we, but that's well fine. yeah but i mean <laughs> it, this is this is this is the inaugural show so we just gotta we just gotta get it all done you know but uh what do you got so we, we got the same one 
No, breaking out the uh, Sierra Nevada hazy little thing yeah, IPAs. We're both drinking the same beer right now. So. I'm on a big hazy IPA kick. Me too. And um, perfect hot weather. Beer. Since we're drinking out of my fridge today, that's what we're drinking. Yeah, so. well, that's fine by me. So, <laughs> all right. So we're at the top of the hour now, and uh, let us uh, transition. So, you kind of hinted already at the Battle of L.A. earlier. I think you, I, a lot of what you said, uh, really about Goff, about the Rams and the Chargers. I mean, I think I think that's going to be a, a big dynamic in terms of. Um, how is that going to work out logistically? That new stadium in downtown LA, you know, there's a lot of things. Well, it's that, in Inglewood. What did I say? Downtown LA? Yeah, yeah Inglewood. It's, okay. It's not in downtown LA. Got it. It so, is in downtown Inglewood next to uh, car dealerships. Knowing, oh, geez. <laughs> knowing LA the way that I do, I mean, they already accept the fact that traffic is a part of their life 24 hours a day, literally. I, I, I know that for a fact. Well, it doesn't matter because there's, there's not going to be any fans. Oh, that's true. We're a year away from answering that question. Oh, what is the bummer. what is the real but see? See how weird this is? Yes. That just gave me like a two by four of reality. See right how weird face. Sunday is gonna be now, next Sunday? Man. You I but that's just gonna you, be weird. There's, you know there's no getting around it. What there's no getting around the oncoming mess that tailgating is gonna be when we're allowed to tailgate again. I wonder if people are just gonna go tailgate and just say, screw it. Just, I just line up outside the locked gates of the parking lot, and you know what? I crack crack one open. You know, would Sunday it morning. You? It would not surprise me. Would absolutely not surprise no, me. No, it wouldn't surprise me. I want to see least. it. I want to see it. I do too. Um, I'm also curious uh, with regard to. Obviously, I know we're still a year away. I mean, it's kind of a up in the air situation. I don't know what the fan situation is going to be like in Vegas. Ve- Vegas is going to be interesting. Who do you like in LA? I mean that. The whole the the whole West is is going to yeah. be interesting. I, NFC West, AFC West. Right. There's there's a lot of moving parts going on. You know, just even twenty twenty aside, just focusing on football factors. Yeah. Who, who do you like in LA? I'm gonna have to go with the Rams. I'm gonna have to go with the Rams. I think uh, I think, and you and I kind of hinted at it before. I think the reason why Goff has had so much success in LA is because of coaching. You know, he finally has a coach that believes in him. He has a coach that coaches to Jared's strength. And yep. I think that's what was desperately needed. And that's why, you know, he was on the verge of being referred to as a bust because when he was with Jeff Fisher, who couldn't stand him from what I know. You know, so so I like I like the uh, I like the Rams. I think, you know, the Rams and the Niners when they square up, I think that's gonna be interesting to watch on TV. That's gonna make a good matchup. But I think Offensively, both teams, uh, I'm, I'm talking about the Rams and the Niners. I think offensively, both teams match up pretty closely. And defensively, you can probably argue the same. I think the Niners may have the slight edge on defense, thanks to. Uh, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Donald, though. Aaron Donald and then Nick Bosa. Exactly. That's going to be fun to watch. You know, Nick, Two of the best in the game. Right. And obviously, we have to say, you know, Nick Bosa from the, the Ohio, Ohio State, State University. Okay. <laughs> Got to throw some love to the Ohio folk. You there know. we go. Oh, Anyways, but yeah, I.O., brother. That's right. <laughs> so the other question I wanted to ask you is this. We have, for, I think, years heard argument on both sides saying, okay, should there be an NFL franchise in Vegas? It's either going to be a brilliant move or it's going to be one giant bust. I think, I think it's brilliant. I think that the time is right. Right. And I'm going to completely contradict myself from what I said earlier uh-huh. about staying at home and watching a game on your couch yep. with your cheap beer and your friends. Right. 
and all the other games on a second TV on Red Zone um, and that experience. But the Las Vegas market, that team, the Raiders, and you know their ownership with Mark Davis and uh, mm-hmm. Sheldon uh, Adelson, who who built the stadium and owns you know the Sands Casino uh, Empire, um, that is going to sink or swim on live attendance. Right. And I think that I don't think that that's going to be a problem. I think no. that now you're going to see fans from all over the place going to Las Vegas for those eight weekends in the fall. Yep. And attending games. But what does that mean for a Las Vegas Raiders fan base? I think it's bad news. I don't think that they're going to have the black hole. You're not going to have the black hole. I I don't think it. I know it. They're not going to have that nucleus of just rabid fans that are there every single game. Those people are going to be staying in Oakland. I mean, you're going to probably get... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. they are. But I don't think that they're going to be able to to establish that type of of identity. where, Where your fan base, Raider Nation... Yeah. Raider Nation is dead. Yeah, you're going to have... Raider Nation died in Las Vegas. Yeah, it did. Like and a lot of us yeah, tend right. to, to do. Right. No, no, <laughs> no comment on that one. Um, Raider Nation, if it still exists, it's hanging on. It's sipping, Coors, it's, it's sipping a tall boy Coors Light right. outside of the Flamingo at 4.30 in the morning trying to figure out how they blew so much money at the poker table and at the strip club. Yeah. That is where Raider Nation yeah. is right now. Admittedly and not far enough. And it's know. one guy who smells like cigarettes. Yeah. Why are you looking at me when you say that? I'm, no, I wasn't. I was just saying. <laughs> I was just saying. That's 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 the state of but Raider Nation. But then again, Nation let right me now. just say, haven't we all had uh, you know nights at 4.30 in the morning outside of uh, a, a bar in Vegas questioning our absolutely. life? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've all been there. And, and you know, I think that this is going to be a brilliant move. I think you're absolutely right. I think Raider Nation, as we as we knew it as growing know. up, yep. dead, 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 dead. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because name for me, please, the tourist capital of the known universe, Palm Springs, California. Well, aside from Palm Springs, California, <laughs> but what, give me a name me a good weekend destination place. I know. I mean, everybody wants to go to Vegas. Las Vegas, Nevada. Everyone so wants to go to Vegas. You're gonna get people coming from out of the country, right? That are going to want to go for a football game. Like, I've never been to an NFL football game. Okay, let's go. Yep. And then you're going to get people wanting to go to a Raider game. I think the Raiders are going to get a whole new crop of fans. I don't think you're going to see the traditional gritty, hardcore, you know, wake up at 4.30 yep. in the morning to paint my face in toenails black. Type that, that, stadium, that stadium is still going to be packed every single oh, Sunday. I don't have a doubt about that. But the identity of Raider Nation... It's going to be different. ...is going to shift. It's going to so, be way different. to answer your question, Ryan, boom or bust? I don't know. I think it's going to be a boom from a business standpoint, yeah. but from a football standpoint, you mentioned tourist markets. You know? Right. Let's, let's take different tourist markets across the NFL. What, Miami? Sure. Is there is there Dolphin Nation out there? No. You know? I mean, do do you associate, you know, really truly a rabid, loyal fan base with the Dolphins? I don't think so. There's no. there's there's too many other distractions. You're in New Orleans. You have the Houdat Nation, right? That's yeah. a rabid fan base. It is, and New Orleans tourist destination. By but, the way, quick shout out to New Orleans. Everything y'all are going on, you know, going on with you down Lake there. Charles. Yeah, we we, <laughs> we we send you our best. We really do, and and we hope everybody's doing okay down there. Yeah, gotta find ways to help. Yeah, no, no doubt about out. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of new dynamics this year, and and. I think Vegas is going to provide a lot of those new dynamics. I really do. And personally, I can't wait to go to a game. Yeah. I can't wait to go to a game there. I'm excited to go see it. 
I mean, we're, we're going to see Garth there at the end of February, but still, I mean, I don't think we are. <laughs> you know, well, okay. Well, hopefully we're going to see it's Garth. It's on the calendar. It's, it's on, on the, the calendar. calendar. Garth Brooks at Allegiant Stadium. He was supposed to be the one to open that up. If I had a dollar for every time I said out loud, it's on the calendar and it never works out, I'd, you know. I'm just, I'm done with calendars now. You and me both. <laughs> you and me both. Um, yeah, man. Let's see. All right. So obviously, every talk about football is going to end with. Who are the Super Bowl contenders? And I think in this particular climate, in this particular season, in this particular season, um, I the answer to who is the Super Bowl contender is I don't know. I don't know either. Um, it's it's going to depend on, I think, who's able to adapt the best. Who is able yeah. to put this crazy season and these crazy circumstances aside and just focus on what needs to be done on the field. And then you have you have so you have games transpiring every week, right? You have games transpiring every week. You have you know a mix of different things whereas, you know, players and teams are going to come to California to play one of the California teams, no fans, right? Some people are going to have to go play in Kansas City where there will actually be fans there. I don't care if the NFL is going to allow for piped in noise. I'm sorry, Piped in noise is not the same as actual fans, butts in seats, drinking, yeah. and swearing, and you you're, know you're not going to have somebody cussing at Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines about you know Danica Patrick, or maybe in Kansas City you might. Who knows? Yeah, you, know? you might. You might. <laughs> I mean, listen, you might. And, and you know, I, God knows, I do enough you know trash talk at, at sporting events, but I don't care what anybody says. The dynamic is going to be different. Yeah, absolutely, and. And to your point, that's why I think you have to have an all-or-nothing standpoint when it comes to either all of us are allowed to have some sort of fans or nobody is. The Super Bowl is going to be won off the field this year. Um, I think just with leadership right. and uniformity and routine mm-hmm. and the commitment to showing up and getting the job done and not allowing the off-the-field distractions uh, to affect what happens between each sideline. Coupled with that, though, I think it's going to be the team that has the best um, culture. Exactly. And it starts at the top. So Super Bowl contenders, I look at the coaches that are the strongest leaders. So let me ask you this. Let's So so break it down by conference. Okay. Break it down by conference. Start with the NFC. Obviously, I think you got to think the Niners are in there. I don't know if the Niners are in there. I mean, I, I disagree. One of the best players in the game with with George Kittle. One of, if not the best defenses in the game. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo being consistent enough on a weekly basis to put together a Super Bowl resume, if that makes sense. And I know that there's different ways to win the game, but... I got to disagree, man. I I think, I mean, because that's what they were saying about Jimmy last year. He'll win the games that he should. Right. But... Will he put the team on his back and win the games that they shouldn't? Well, you know. But there's not very many games that they shouldn't win. Right. So it, it, the schedule is very favorable, as it was last year. The schedule is favorable. I mean, they should not have, if you think about it, if, if you would call this a logical thought, should they have won that, game, that playoff game in New Orleans? No. No. Not, <laughs> with, how, not with how great Drew Brees is right. in that offense, mm-hmm. but they found a way to get it done because mm-hmm. Kittle is a freak of nature. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I call Jimmy Optimus Dime. I'm not the one that does it. Everybody else calls him that. But You still, don't need to. You cannot call him that. I, I'm not going to call him First that. of all, 
that would be disrespectful to Jimmy Garoppolo because he is Optimus Dime. So I will call him that whenever I damn well please. So that's enough out of you that's on that That's fine. One. No, that's fine. You know, I just, hopefully, as long as you're comfortable. Hopefully he can live up to it. As long as you're comfortable <laughs> sitting there in your wrongness and being wrong. As soon as, you know, I'm right and the Niners go back. Whatever. Well, but, I'm, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong right now. Okay. NFC West going division by division. Okay. I'm taking the Seahawks. That's a, that's a, whew, that's a. Here's that's why. A bold move, Connor. Like I said, the Super Bowl is going to be one off the field. Okay. One of the best leaders in the game is Pete Carroll. You really? think that Pete Carroll's players are going to get distracted? He he's he's a puppet master up there. Man, I don't know. I he gets those guys up. Plus, he's been there before. Yeah, he knows how to win in that division. He's won that division many many times. He's been in the Super Bowl. Have, There's no pressure there. I have beef with Pete with Pete Carroll. I just I, and he's they're playing in one of the. One of the loudest stadiums, I, I think now it is once is again, true. once that again, the loudest. Do you think that Pete Carroll is going to let that be an excuse? No. Absolutely not. No. Teams coming into that stadium, that's going to be in their heads. Yeah. That's going to be in their heads. Players that have played there before, they're going to notice that difference. Mm-hmm. So it's almost going to be an advantage because it is such a big advantage those opposing players are going to mindfuck themselves and think, how is this affecting the Seahawks negatively? We're going to have this huge advantage. Pete Carroll's not going to let that be an advantage. I got to be honest with you. I disagree. I'm going to tell you why. Because look at look at the makeup of the team right now. Yes, you have Russell Wilson. Veteran guy. Veteran been guy. Been there before. Great leader. Wins the games that maybe he shouldn't win. Right. Veteran guy. Great leader. Yep. I mean, durable as hell. No no, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. But but here's, here's the thing. I think... You're forgetting two words when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks. Father time. Yeah. You, you, you've got, a, God knows you have a defense that's aging. I mean, they have, they had, I don't think they have Jadavian Clowney still. Um, I don't know if they locked him up. I know they were talking about it. I don't know where he ended up, though. Uh, no, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, not in Seattle. Okay, yeah. I, so, I, so, I, you I believe. Know, I, I think. I know that there was news. Let, let, me, let me just say it to you this way. The Seattle Seahawks are nowhere close to being the, the Legion of Boom anymore. Right. I, th- I think, you yeah, know. Clowney, Clowney's still unsigned. There, yeah. there were, you know, rumors maybe. Uh, because he's holding him, out for a big deal. Right. Him yeah. going to the Raiders potentially, actually. Yeah, but I don't know. Who knows? Um, okay, so, so we, went, we started with the NFC West. Now, the AFC West, I mean, you got. AFC West, I mean, obviously that's anybody's game, man. No, it's for me. It's still Kansas City. I, I, they, yeah. they haven't gone backwards. Um, they've been there. Uh, you know, dark horse team. I'm gonna go to the Denver Broncos. Broncos, dark horse though. Yeah, I mean, young quarterback who's. I mean, he's. I guess technically he's not a rookie anymore, but right. You know, um, I mean, Drew Lock needs to be developed. Absolutely needs to be developed. He's right. He's kind of like where, you know, maybe where Jared Goff was. Yeah, yeah. He's he's maybe where um, Bill's Bill's quarterback. Josh Allen. Yeah. He's he's maybe like where, you know, Josh Allen was or even is. Mm-hmm. The talent is there. Mm-hmm. But I think he needs to just take a deep breath and settle down and relax. And if he's able to do that, I like him, but I don't I don't see Denver getting it done. I don't. Well, I want to see because Denver. I think Denver had a great draft, and I want to see how their rookies, uh, you know, come into the fold. Like especially Jerry Judy, mm-hmm. a guy is just 
sneaky fast. And and you know best receiver they, in the draft, I still think. I, I mean, still can't believe the Niners passed on him. Although we we ended up drafting pretty well too, so I, I was actually okay with that. But we'll we'll see how that shakes out. I mean, I you're right. Is it going to be KC's division? Yes. Do I think any other team is going to make noise? Maybe. KC, only team in the division with a winning record last year. Wow. Okay, yeah. I might have to go back on that one then. They they haven't gotten weaker. Right. That's for sure. Jeez. I think the only other team in the division that has actually gotten stronger is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of development and health. If they can stay healthy, it's tough to beat them just talking – you know, talent alone. Um, But they have a massive hole at quarterback. You got Phillip Rivers lining up for another team in Indianapolis now for the first time in 17 years. That's... Can't believe that. That is a massive hole. Tyrod Taylor, completely unproven. Shit the bed his first time around as an an NFL starter, you know? Sorry. He did. did. Uh, Yeah. But now, he was able to... got kind of a raw deal in Buffalo, though. He did. Not much around him. But he was able to take that breath... And take that step away and relax. Yeah. And now he's a leader. Yeah. Now he's seen both sides of the coin. Now he understands what he needs to do to get back to to that elite level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that may be a positive yeah. in San Diego. Again, there, there is no pressure. That's true. Um, they don't have a quarterback that has started an NFL game recently with – Fans in the stands under normal circumstances, so maybe that's an advantage. Yeah. Who knows? You're absolutely right. But for me, it's the Chiefs division, no yeah. doubt. And then, you know, I mean, I was, gonna think we should, I was thinking we should go division by division, but, I mean, there's really no other team that, that sticks out for me right now. I mean, obviously, Tampa's going to make serious noise in the NFC South, but, I mean, beyond that, I think you got to look at the Saints – yeah, Tampa can make some noise, you know, Saints, but I, yeah, again... Yeah, Falcons are a waste of time. Again, father time, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Drew Brees. Um, the Falcons are a waste of time. I, I, I don't think they're going to Sean Payton, more. though, another good yeah, leader. Great leader. Always going to find a way to not, win. Not good, great. Yeah. Um, Drew Brees, great leader. Not yeah. going to not gonna let the distractions factor in. And I don't think They've got, for me, the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, Michael Thomas. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and... Alvin Kamara... Uh, just gotta get, his, he's, get his contract situation yeah, figured out. Figure it I out. Mean, just figure it out. Yeah. You pay that man. Yeah. Uh, you do Agreed. not let a guy like that go. You pay that man. Mm-hmm. But there's no other teams. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not particularly concerned about anybody in the, in the NFC East. I'm really not. I, I, I mean, does Dallas worry me? No. No. I mean, Dallas, Dallas is, is a head case. They Dallas is Dallas. Uh, fired their head coach. Uh, you know, Jason Garrett's three gone. Three years too late. I don't think that they're going to magically flip a switch no. with a new head coach. No, it's but not happen. essentially the same the same person at the top running that organization. Jerry Jones wanted a yes man. Jerry Jones wanted a yes exactly. man. exactly, and that's what um, that's what they got. And I don't think that the Cowboys are going to go anywhere. I think the Redskins are going to get more than three wins. You can't say Redskins. It has to be the Washington Football Team. It still says in the NFL app the Washington Redskins. I'm oh. reading it right here on my phone. Okay, well I was so told to say I the Washington apologize, Football Team. But you are correct. The Washington Football Team. Yes. That's that's kind of. I mean, that is just typical NFL right now, though. That they still in their own official app. Right. It says Redskins. Anyway. Right. Um, it but is typical yes, NFL. The Washington Football Team. Right. 
they're going to win more than three games, but I don't. They're certainly not going to be. Maybe they win four. You know, I think that, that should be their yeah. goal. Let's go win a quarter of. Our I think season. that whole. I think <laughs> that whole division is a giant waste of space. Yeah, I, I really and truly do. AFC South. Uh, Texans. Boy, I, I think it's going to come down to Texans, and it's going to come down to I, I would say the Titans. Texans and Titans. Titans yeah. played some good football last year. I mean, they, they, they surprised Tannehill. Are surprised you kidding the me? hell no, out of me. Not, is, it Tan- is it Tannehill? Yeah, Tannehill. Yeah, I don't know. Can they do that again? Wait. So Tannehill is is the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. You talk about where the hell did that come from? Nobody saw that, and then he got that new deal with the Titans, and then Mariota is now backing up Derek Carr in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Man, I you gotta you gotta be encouraged. If you're a Titans fan, you have to be encouraged with what you saw last year. They just got to put it together again. And yeah. I mean, is Ryan Tannehill the kind of guy to put it together again? Well, until they find somebody better. I mean, I, I think defense I, is good. If you were going to have a placeholder at quarterback and feel comfortable making an investment in a placeholder, you're going to do it in Ryan Tannehill. With what I saw. With Vrabel as that coach. But we saw it for what? Like a matter of weeks? We haven't seen this We saw it for a good... It was, it was a good chunk of the season. Yeah, a chunk of the season. But but it doesn't matter because what did he do in the playoffs last year? You know, obviously they saw enough where they said, okay, we're going to lock him down. Good for them. Mm-hmm. And Derrick Henry, they locked down Derrick Henry. And I think that team has the makings of uh, a possible contender. I really do. I think they need to get better at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I think they need to get a little bit better on defense. But mm-hmm. beyond that, I think they have the makings of something good. AFC North? Oh, man. Uh, I don't see anyone jumping up there. I don't either. Baltimore, 14-2 last year. I mean, if I – Lamar Jackson, uh, yeah, MVP player. I, you know – I got to say – He's be, on the Madden cover, though. Got it. Well, he's, on the, he's on the cover of Madden. Get that man some bubble wrap and Secret Service protection – now he's on the cover of Madden 2014, Volume Six because it's the same game. Well, that Madden curse—you better not. It's because, real, right? Oh Lord, yeah, no. So I mean, if I had to pick somebody, oh man, if I had to pick two, te- well, I'm picking two teams to come out of that division that to possibly make some noise. Got to go with Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Got to go with Pittsburgh. Roethlisberger's there. You got to go. You got to go with them. He might be healthy. I, he's always a question mark, that's for sure. But got to go with Pittsburgh. He's, he's, always on, he's always on the injury report, you yeah. know, put it that way. I'm giving a slight edge to Baltimore. I'm giving a slight edge to Baltimore. I'm giving a huge edge to Baltimore. Yeah. I I'm giving a Kansas City Chiefs size edge to yeah. Baltimore. I am not – I'm not even going to look at Cleveland until Baker Mayfield shows me something. Because you know he's an average quarterback. He's, he's, an, he's an average, average quarterback. NFL quarterback with some interesting tools around him that they really haven't been able to take. He was also of referred yet. to as Johnny Manziel 2.0. Well, he was he was buried by a dog shit head coach. Yeah, yeah. You know, sorry. I mean, I'm actually I'm not even going to apologize to Cleveland fans because yeah. I know they agree with me because I know yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, I I, I think the rest Joe, of Joe Joe Burrow in Cincinnati is he gonna. Well, you being the resident Ohio State expert, you tell me what you think about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, he's, again, he's a guy, he'll find a way to win the games that maybe the Bengals, you know, normally wouldn't win. But there's not enough talent on that team to take them from a 2-14 and 14 team and even turn them into a 500 team. Yeah, They're not going to win six more games. Joe Burrow is not rookie NFL, NFL rookie Joe Burrow. 
is not good enough. No one is good enough to take a two and fourteen team and turn them into a five hundred team well, in but, one season single handedly. And and this is this is my this is my problem with Bengals fans is that Bengals fans want Joe Burrow to come in there and be like the second coming of Tom Brady, and that's not going to happen. No, he's going to have to develop. He's yes. going to have to fail. He's going to have some struggles. I like it though because he, Joe Burrow knows failure. He he never won a starting job at Ohio State. Right. Ohio State had some talented freaks at quarterback. Of course they did. While they Joe had Burrow an, they was had sitting. an embarrassment of riches. And you look at Joe Burrow and you you go, what this guy? You know he's he's good, but he's not. You he know, went from being third string quarterback at he's Ohio. not electric. But that's yeah. his strength. He's not electric. He just gets the job done. I don't know, man. He, he just looked gets off, the job done. He, he looked he looked awfully electric when I well, saw him well, at, now, LSU, at yeah. LSU. He'll make some electric plays, but but now he has that it factor. But previously he didn't. But in the NFL, is he going to be Joe Burrow, the, uh, the LSU yeah. superstar? Quick side note. Can I just say quick side note? I could watch a repeating loop of uh, Ed Orgeron saying, Go Tigers. For Dude, that guy hours. is amazing. Just for hours. I could watch that. But I, but I, I digress. We need to mic him up for everything. Ugh, I just... That man is just a national treasure. I don't care if he's cooking. I don't care if he's washing his car. No. I don't care if he's going to Walmart. By the way, can I, I want just him say... Mic'd up Coach O, sneaky jacked. Yeah. He's, he is yoked. He's got that dad bod, but I mean, he's well, making it work. But, but there was video of him jogging in downtown Baton Rouge. That guy is yoked. He jogs? He jogs. That's terrifying. I don't jog. It's like jogs. a grizzly bear he's, running at yeah, you 25 right? miles an hour. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, in the beginning, we said that every once in a while, we were going to broach on subjects that might be a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, that might be a little bit controversial. That might be a little bit, oh, are they really about to go over there and do that? Okay. Uh, sports over the last several years, I think by and large, you could say uh, it was created by Colin Kaepernick. Or I shouldn't say created. It, it, social justice in sports really, it was, um, really was chartered, I guess you could say, for lack of a better word, by Kaepernick and, and, Kaepernick and uh, taking a knee during the national anthem. Well, yeah. Are we going to see? I mean, again, talking about the NFL season, right, and how it's going to be different. This is going to be something that I think is going to be different, and mm-hmm. I think it has the potential to be a very positive difference, right? And you know the the social justice angle, mm-hmm. um, where you know players are allowed to use their platform, right, and their influence as they should be. So you, um, but you say so you say it's going to be positive, and I think you're. I think it, it has the potential. It has to the be potential positive. to be positive. I think the one thing that's going to ruin that potential positive outcome is cancel culture. It, yeah, I mean potentially um, cancel culture. The NFL has said you know kind of what, or they sorry they they haven't really said what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. Right. Um, Roger Goodell has said that they're going to you know take steps to you know bring attention to social issues and that the players are going to be able to, to have a say in that they're, they're going to work with the players association and it's going to be structured, which I think it needs to be in order for it to not be a distraction. It has to be structured and it has to be effective. And you know, what happened uh, a little over a week ago now with players saying, you know what? We're not going to play. There are bigger issues today than sports. Right. I mean, are they right? Yeah, they're absolutely right. Now let's let's look at how 
the postponement of across really all sports happened and why it happened and what was effective and what in my opinion was not effective right you know and i think what was effective is everybody said okay wow you know this is these players are really passionate they're not going to take it anymore mm-hmm. they're willing to forfeit a game that's what was effective when you have the milwaukee bucks they play in wisconsin just down the road from Kenosha, mm-hmm. where the Jacob Blake shooting happened one way or another, it happened. Right. Um, that is, it's right there in their backyard. Their fan base is tremendously affected by what's going on in Kenosha and in Wisconsin right now. Mm-hmm. And those players are absolutely 100% affected. Sure. And that's where they were willing to forfeit a Game 5 playoff game. Mm-hmm. Orlando Magic on the other side. They saw that. They say, oh, these guys are, they're not going to play us tonight. Are we going to take that forfeit? Because that's how it started. Right. They were willing to forfeit. Of course, Orlando's not going to take that forfeit. They don't want to win that way. So they said, no, we're with you. We're going to postpone it. In my opinion, that right there is, that is effective. Mm-hmm. When you have everybody else you know, then the NBA cancels, or not cancels, postpones all the, all the other games. Okay. Right. Okay. You know, NBA, primarily uh, a league that is, you know, that features African-American athletes. Um, I don't know this for sure, but probably a higher percentage of African-American athletes than, mm-hmm. than any other sport. You know, right. certainly more so than baseball, certainly more so than hockey. NFL is probably, you know, probably more so than, than the NFL now that I think about it. Um, so, yeah, there. this is a very important cause in the NBA. And players, you know, love them or hate them, like LeBron James, have right. done a lot to bring attention to these causes. I think across sports, they could have done more. Because here's what happened. Well, I wouldn't, I take it separately, I say they should have done more. They should have done more. Yeah. And here's, here's what happened. Bucks, Magic, postponed. Okay. NBA postpones games because this is a very big issue that a lot of their players are very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. Then you get MLB teams that are saying, oh, we're also not going to play too. And we're going to stand, you know, for this, uh, you know, for, for justice. We're going to stand for justice. We're, we're going to take a stand here. We're going to use our platform and... We're not going to play either. Right. Then you have a handful of NFL or sorry NHL players that say, you know, the NHL should have done something. Well, by the time that you had this trickle down effect, it was very late in the day. Several of the uh, NHL playoff games were already underway, and the ones that weren't were about to start in a matter of like an hour or two. Mm-hmm. So there's not enough time to postpone a game, take that stance, make the plans. At that point, the message is lost. And it just becomes you're, you're postponing just for the sake of, oh, well, we better do it. And I think that, that that's where a more effective solution could have come about. Mm-hmm. You could have had, you know, a little more organization and a little more direction. I would argue it's not even postpone games. Right. But we're going to play these games. But how do we play these games and bring attention to an important cause? Because staying home... Yeah. And, you know, 
It's kind of a crapshoot. And having those television networks fill that dead air with whatever, right? You know, I don't even know what they filled it with. That doesn't bring attention to the issue. And I said this um, uh, in an article that I, I wrote about this this uh, you know this topic um, on the website, and I really like this line, so I'm gonna say it again. Sure, I'm gonna toot my own horn. Because it came true today and, and yesterday watching uh, MLB games. Okay. In that article, I said, are you going to have these announcers when we play these makeup games, these games that were postponed uh, to focus on, show, on social injustices and systemic racism? When we play these games or the announcers on Fox, are they going to harp on it and say, and now we are playing this game that was postponed due to the shooting death of Jacob Blake mm-hmm. at the hands of Kenosha police, which is, you know, the X amount of death in police custody, you know, this year, it's a well, big the, issue. The, the shooting. He, he, right. He's, my, he's, my, yeah. my point, yeah, shooting, right. Yeah, he's not. My point is that, no, we're not. They're, they're not even going to mention, you know, in most cases, why we're, we're playing right. these makeup games. And at that point, here we are, we're a week later, the message is lost. It's completely lost. Right. Okay, games were postponed. Well, why were they postponed? No one's talking about it now, and it's a week later. No one, no one cares. Yeah. They just know that now we have a bunch of doubleheaders, you know, in the matter of a week or so for most teams across baseball. Right. And it's the storyline is now how quirky it is. Oh, we have a bunch of these doubleheaders, and now we have these, you know, so it loses every team. Its importance. Absolutely, it does. Every yeah. team gets a 29th man, and who's that 29th man going to be, and right. how is this going to affect the standings, you know, we're coming up on the last month of the season. That's the storyline. Yeah. It's within the scope of the game. The storyline of why those games were postponed, completely lost. Yeah. And I think that had they played, had they not postponed these games, or they could have used their leverage. We're not going to play until we can do things to affect change mm. until we can put something on the backs of our jerseys or on our cleats or on our skates yeah. or until you put something on the field or until you take up these causes as an entire organization, whether it's a team organization or a league organization or whatever it is. Right. They could have used that leverage. But what did they do? They have no leverage right now. They have yeah. no leverage. The owners gave up nothing. The owners, they're not giving up ticket sales. They're not giving up concession sales. They're not giving up, you know, live sponsorships for not doing a race around the bases or whatever at the end of the game from some restaurant that sponsors it. Sure. They're not they're not losing anything. They're saying we're not playing today. Okay, whatever, you know. Right. That literally probably doesn't cost them a dime to not play those games. Players could have waited. You know, let's let's wait. I know that we we don't want to wait for change to happen. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that it could have been more effective in a regular normal season under normal circumstances yeah and that's i mean i think that's the ongoing issue that we're having especially in this year i mean what what could have transpired in normal seasons yeah so i know that was that's a tough thing to talk about man i i you know that was one of those one of those things that i was admittedly a little hesitant to bring up because you know it's it's something that's tricky to talk about it isn't it shouldn't be for me it's not tricky to talk about for me it gets tricky to talk about when you're talking about it with somebody who is not receptive in in looking at other points of view. Right. And or not willing to look at another point of view, right? Right. And yeah. it's 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 not even saying that 
you know, the players are doing the wrong thing. It's not even a stick to sports argument, you know. Yeah. People like to say, oh, stick to sports. It's not your place. It's not your place. Bullshit. That's, your, your that's when they had the shut up yeah. and dribble controversy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Shit like that. No, it's absolutely your place. Right. It is absolutely your place. If you're if you're a citizen in this country, if you're a citizen in the world, and if you observe racism in this case, or if you observe injustice, and it could be any sort of injustice, sure. you absolutely have a right to stand up for sure. Yeah. No doubt. So yeah, it's, it's 100% your place. I'm just saying the effectiveness of it. Mm-hmm. It could have been a whole hell of a lot more effective than it was. And I think that athletes, they have a tremendous platform. They are in our homes you know, not 24-7, but, I mean, but athletes in one way or another, you know, for us, and if you're listening to this podcast right now, both of you, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, um, it, it really, they have a place where they interact with fans, they interact with their communities, they interact with their, you know, um, with e- each other. Right. They interact with billionaire owners. They interact with, think about this scope. On a daily basis, they interact with billionaire owners and somebody who is standing outside the stadium because they can't afford to get in, but they're going to wait there in the freezing cold and ask for an autograph. Think, yeah. think about that scope of people that that athlete influences. Yeah, there's no that's question the, about that, man. It's an enormous platform. And hopefully what this can lead to is, is real change. But the problem is, the problem is, we can't have these conversations. We're not allowed to have different right. points of view. Logan Couture, center for the San Jose Sharks, sure. got shit on in the media recently mm-hmm. because he made mention of um, his father. He's Canadian, which he made very clear that this is not you know an American issue, and he's mm-hmm. not taking a side in terms of so American politics. So, cancel culture got him. Well, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, his father's in law enforcement, and he made a comment, you know, mm-hmm. about um, police lives. Okay. And he said that if he was an American citizen, he could not imagine voting to defund the police. Could not, you know, just would not do it. He made that comment on Twitter, and he got roasted for it. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that we can't even have these arguments and if we can't argue both sides, if we can't play devil's advocate, if we can't have these uncomfortable conversations, we're not going to arrive at, at the most effective solution. We're going to arrive at solutions like, oh, well, let's just walk off the field. We're in Canada, literally playing in Edmonton and Toronto in the NHL, which has a very, very small number of African-American players, mm-hmm. a very, very small percentage of African-American fans, and... You know, I'm, I'm very glad that they're taking a stand because they need to be because, again, those NHL players have a platform. But what I'm saying is use it better than just, oh, we're going to postpone games. No one even, by that point, you're just doing it to pile on. You're, you're doing it because if you don't do it, then all of a sudden you're the bad guy. You can't do something in a different way. And it's like you said, like, it's, it is, like, it's cancel culture. Mm-hmm. It isn't, it isn't constructive Let's have a conversation about the best way to use our platform 
and affect change and talk about social injustice and have these uncomfortable conversations. And to his credit, Colin Kaepernick kneeling made people very fucking uncomfortable. Well, it made them uncomfortable, uncomfortable. but it also got them talking about it. And I think that was by and large what he wanted to accomplish by that as well too. But at the same time, best way to do it? I don't think it's the best way to do it. No. I don't think it's the best way to do it. Because he didn't say... I'm going to kneel for the national anthem. He just did it. And this is why, this is what I want the right. attention to be on. Right. He just did it. And then everyone came, well, he's an American. Fuck Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. He's slapping in the, you know, he's, he's slapping the faces of all of our soldiers overseas. You know, he's pissing on the American flag right now. He, he doesn't give a shit about this country. He Love it or leave it, Colin, you know. Yeah. And then everyone is just so riled up that, that they, they're not going to see the other side, even if it is, you know, a necessary conversation. Well, but you know what? It, but to go off of what you were saying too about uh, with Logan Couture, right? Logan Couture, yeah, made a comment on Twitter, and by right. in, in my in my opinion, Logan Couture is entitled to his opinion. Okay, he is. You know, Drew. Brees, everybody is. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Yeah, Drew, Drew, Brees Drew Brees again. Yeah, he got comment. he got roasted. Drew Brees made a comment, and cancel culture got a hold of him, and now. You know, you can make the argument, okay, is he going along with the trend now? Or why isn't he taking more of a stand with, um, you know, his his beliefs, right? And, you know, I'm not going to criticize anybody for what they're doing. Uh, you know, for me, I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. And, and that, that I think is a legitimate argument that people can make about Drew Brees. Is he... Uh, just going along with the trend because he got crushed on social media when this happened or, you know, what is, what is he doing? Yeah. So, and that's, no one is allowed to have an opinion unless it is the majority opinion. And that, that isn't the right way to solve problems. When the only solution is to postpone games because everybody is postponing games, then you're not, you're not really going to affect change because you're just going along with what everyone else is doing. Well, right. that's one idea. Why don't we do that too? Okay, you know that. But is the is the most effective idea? Is it going to lead to? Is it going to lead to anything actually happening? Is it going to lead to any change? Who knows? You know, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that it will lead to some change. We can't get anywhere until we can sit down and have a logical conversation about things that we might be disagreeing on. We're not going to get anywhere until we could sit down like people and have a cordial conversation and say, you know what? Here's where we agree. But listen, here's where we disagree. Let's talk it out. Yeah. Let's talk it out. That's not happening, especially in sports at the moment. You know, I can't go and, you know, disagree with LeBron James on something, you know, without creating some sort of, you know, shitstorm about it. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. I personally, and this is my, kind of my problem with LeBron James as well. I don't think he's interested in having a conversation. No one is allowed to say, maybe LeBron James shouldn't be the face of yeah. social equality for an entire league. Right. And even more broadly, an entire group of athletes, regardless of sport, because... You're not talking about, you know, just NBA fans 
you're talking about casual sports fans who know who LeBron James is, sure. but they don't know who the hell Logan Couture is. No, they don't know who, they don't know who Matt Dumba is, who is very involved with the NHL. They're going to know Drew you know, Brees, obviously. But, yeah, you know. they're, they're going to know these big names, and it's like, are these really the guys that should be the face of this movement? And I'm sorry, like LeBron James, there's a lot that he does that is severely hypocritical. Right. And again, it goes back to effectiveness. How do you be effective? Well, and those are the conversations that we need to have. And we, we need to be allowed to say, yeah, these, these topics and these issues, they need to be addressed right now. I think we, it's interesting that you said hypocritical because I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, when the NBA was talking about, okay, are you going to put social justice things on the back of your jersey? LeBron James said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Because I wasn't consulted on it. Oh, okay. So... Just because you weren't consulted. Yeah, because since it wasn't your idea, then all of a sudden it's about it. So now you're going to have a temp- the equivalent of a temper tantrum about it. That's what I can't stand about him. You know, but, but I think we're not going to make any progress unless we can sit down and have an impactful, meaningful, cordial yeah. conversation. Okay, that's, it, that, that's the first start. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's where we have to get to before we can really start to move forward entirely. Otherwise, you're, you're still going to have people that are pissed off at Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. You're still going to have people that are calling LeBron James a hypocrite, not even listening to, to his message, regardless of its, its delivery. Right. You're still going to look at, you know, or you're, you're still going to have people who look at these athletes and who say, oh, well, what do they care? They're all millionaires. What? They're millionaires and they didn't want to show up to work for a day and now I don't have a game to watch on TV? Mm. Again, the message is going to be lost. Yeah. There's, there's a way that we can all work together, but we, 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 have to, we have to do it effectively. And it has to start somewhere. And everyone has to be on board. And yeah. it's, it's got to come from you know, the right people. And it's, I think that it will, you know? No one's denying that there is uh, a problem. Right. No one's denying that. No one's denying that there is definitely, you know, inequality and injustice. Sure. In this country and also all over the world. And nobody is disagreeing that we need to do something about it. Right. But how? And, you know, we can't decide at 4 o'clock Pacific on a Thursday that we're not going to play tonight, you know. Yeah. The attention has already been brought to it. The attention was brought by the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. Offering to forfeit is hugely more powerful than just, oh, everyone else is doing it, so we're going to do it too. Yeah. Well, hopefully in our lifetime, we're going to see some real, some real progress and change being made. Yeah. And it's, right now, it's, it's going along with trends. Everyone is just following trends whether it's athletes or just people or individuals or companies, you know, we're following trends. And the trend right now is to support these causes, but nobody is, is doing it in a uniform way. I mean, some people are burning down small businesses and, and saying that, that, that they're doing it to support, you know, change. And no, you're not. You're, you're doing it because you're an asshole. And you're being destructive and you're ruined, you're literally yeah. ruining somebody's livelihood. And the best argument for it is they're doing it because they're angry. Right. And they have every right to be angry. You absolutely have every right to be angry, but you're going to ruin somebody's livelihood? But if, if you've got the energy and the wherewithal right. and, you know, I guess the commitment to 
set something on fire mm-hmm. or fight somebody or stab somebody or shoot somebody. You should also have the, the... If we could take all that energy and work together. Right. And take a stand that way. Well, so there was... And it's funny that you bring that up too because you're absolutely right. There's, there's an instance, I think it was a few years back, um, when there was some controversy... I can't remember the exact uh, event that transpired, but um, Snoop Dogg and uh, I forget who, I think it was the game. I could, I could be wrong. There was another rapper. Uh, sat down in the same room with Eric Garcetti and the LAPD chief of police. Mm-hmm. And they said, let's talk. Mm-hmm. Massively powerful. Because then Snoop Dogg goes on TV and says, you were going to come down here peacefully and make your opinion known or you will not come down here at all. Mm-hmm. You will not be armed when you come down here. Mm-hmm. That is not how impactful change is made. Sorry, but it's not. And Snoop was absolutely right. There needs to... I wish so much that there was more of that. You know? Yeah, it's... You know, we're going we're gonna to take this stand. And, 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 and then what? What is that going to lead to? So far, it hasn't led to shit. Yeah. So far, it's led to a bunch of seven-inning games, which is a nice talking point for all these MLB announcers. Oh, so, Lordy. That is true. Anyway. At, That's true. Wow, that was intense, man. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, you know, we're... It's, it's the biggest ish, issue. It's not even an issue. It's a story right. affecting sports right now. I don't think it's an issue with sports. Mm. I think that sports absolutely need to be a... A catalyst sure. of change, and I just think that we need to do it, you know, in a more effective, you know, full-bodied approach, mm-hmm. instead of just, well, today we're not going to play, and tomorrow I'm going to write something on my cleats, and next week I'm going to have, uh, you know, something else on the on the back of my jersey, and no one is going to talk about it. No one's going to, you know, yeah, it, it's going to exist in that moment, and then everyone's going to move on, right. But anyway, we're going to move on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I need to take a drink after that one. <laughs> we're going to wrap this up um, talking about, you know, just, uh, well, we're going to wrap it up with a segment that, that we call Last Call. Um, we're going to end every show this way. And it's Last Call, man. You last know? Call, man. That, it's, I, I don't like those two words. I, well, I, sometimes you don't, but sometimes, you're, bar, sometimes you're ready. Sometimes yeah. you're ready to wrap it up. So last night I was ready to wrap it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe, you know, at this point, uh, you know, we're, we're ready to wrap it up. So we're going to. Um, but, you know, like we said, we're going to do a podcast, you know, at least once a week. Maybe yep. more. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, I don't think every podcast is going to be an hour and 30, 40 minutes long. Man, time um, flies when you're having fun, though. I think we're looking at, you know, anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour, 20, somewhere in there. This is, we, just, we got lucky because we had a lot to talk about today. This is a long one because we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on right now. Um, some as trivial as, you know, who's going to win the AFC South and others, you know, much bigger, much bigger issues. And that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on everything yep. week to week. Um, but we're always going to end it with last call. And uh, as we have last call, you know, this is going to be a segment where it could be a sports topic. It could be pop culture. It, yeah, it could be pop culture. It could be a movie. It could be, you know, who knows? It could be another beer that we're drinking or whatever. But just something that, you know, that, that we want to acknowledge. Something that, that needs to be acknowledged 
happy or sad or controversial or indifferent, you know, just things that, that are on our minds and, and on, on your minds too. And, you know, one, um, within the scope of sports, um, Chadwick Boseman passing away, uh, you know, pretty shockingly. Just, um, just a tough loss. Of, of cancer uh, in his early 40s. He, he was 43. He had stage four colon cancer and nobody knew. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw a story that he didn't want to tell the producers of the movie because he wanted to take, you know, that Black uh, Panther character and really see it grow um, and become as powerful as he saw it in his eyes. Right. Um, which is, you know, his he put his personal fight on hold because he recognized the power that this character had, and he he really brought it to life. He did a tremendous job. Um, and talking about characters that he brought to life, man, I don't think there's anybody out there that could have played Jackie Robinson as exceptionally well as he did. Absolutely. So tying it back in, you know, with sports, uh, he did a, a tremendous job playing Jackie Robinson in the movie Forty Two. Um, Great movie. Fantastic movie. movie, and I don't know if it was just the, the time of year that it came out or what it was competing against, but it didn't have a lot of buzz, you know, around it at the time. But I mean, man, it well, it, and then I mean, obviously, we're talking about Chadwick Boseman, but I, I, we have to talk about how Harrison Ford was sneaky good in that movie too, as Branch Rickey. But that's, uh, that's uh, yeah, topic. and it's it's an incredible story. Yeah. Just it's a fantastic real life story. Great movie. Um, but to see everything come to life in the quality that you get from movies nowadays. You're not watching black and white film on MLB Network, you know, with Ken Burns narrating, which is fantastic, but mm -hmm. it's very matter of fact. Um, this was presented in a way that really draws you in. And Chadwick Boseman was, you know, the reason why 42 was so powerful. Um, he drew you in. He he made you believe that, that he was going through those struggles. And the movie probably wasn't raw enough. Mm-hmm. Because it was trying to approve to a, a very wide, you know, audience. Um, Look at the impact he had on kids. But the scenes in those movies with Chadwick Boseman mm -hmm. facing this just racism and discrimination yeah. every single day. They only touched on a handful of them in the movie. But, I mean, man, it was powerful. And, and, and he was able to make, you know, the audience feel that. And it's Look just, at, yeah. it's such a small percentage of what actually went down. But I mean, like the impact wow. that he had on sports fans. <laughs> yeah. And then if you bring it back to Black Panther, the impact that he had on kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just and it's can't, two films. You it's, can't measure that. Yeah, it's two films that we're talking about. You know, you like can't we're measure not. That. We're not talking about you know like a, a Jack Nicholson or right. you know a Tom Hanks who've been in dozens and sure. you know even hundreds of movies. Sure, sure. This guy with two movies made such a change in this culture. Mm -hmm. It's transcendent, um, no doubt about it. And, you know, for him to pass away on Jackie Robinson Day oh, in Major League Baseball. Just so sad. And, you know, it's... Uh, all you have to do is look at his Instagram. All you have to do is look at his Instagram and look at how many people commented and look at all of his co-stars from the Avengers movies or any other movie he's ever done and just look at the impact that he had on them and so many other people. And it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. It, it really is. And then you can't forget about Tom Seaver. Yeah, um... And then, yeah, an, another loss, you know, just within the last week, Tom Seaver, the Mets, uh, fantastic. 75, man. Mets pitcher, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, his his impact on the game, I, he was just a badass. He was a, yeah. he was a badass up there on the hill. He was he was of the of the era where 
he goes out there and he just he's a competitor. Yeah, he doesn't want to get off that mound. He, well, he he's the kind of guy that he's, I I would say you know we were talking about players that you have to face and then you just end up going, oh crap, Tom Seaver. I dare mm-hmm. I say was one of the original ones where you know he was just a freak on the mound and you know he's going to be baseball's going to miss him. No, no question about it. Yeah. So unfortunately, two losses. Um, yep. You know, one from a. Uh, Many, many different perspectives, um, yeah. you know, and that affected, you know, a lot of sports fans with uh, Chadwick Boseman and his portrayal right. of Jackie Robinson. And another was a tremendous competitor um, mm-hmm. on the baseball field. So hopefully we're not, you know, talking about these sorts of things to wrap up uh, last call, you know, in the future and, and for a very long time, at least. But you know what? But we're not going to go today on we a are. sad note. So, we're not going out on a sad note. What we're going to do at Last Call is what we do any night when Last Call comes out. Mm-hmm. We put your drink up in the air. Raise a glass. You raise a glass to Chadwick Bozeman, to Tom, to Tom Seaver. And hey, let's raise a glass to our inaugural podcast, my brother. Yeah. Much longer than expected. Yeah. So we're, we'll get better at this, I promise. Thank you for listening. Um, Mom, you're probably yeah. the only one. So yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry for the swearing. Sorry about that. We'll be back. Uh, we're going to... Uh, pump another one out here um, this week, um, probably before NFL season kicks off again mm-hmm. uh, later this week, and then we'll be back with episode three, um, talking week one uh, NFL action. And um, next time on uh, the Long Balls and Loggers podcast, uh, we'll be talking MLB, the season so far, how everything's going, um, and. We'll go from there. I don't we'll know where it's going to go. We'll talk about the MLB <laughs> season winding down too, and you know we'll see. Yeah. You know, we'll just talk about the impact of a 60-game season, how is that weird, you know. And all these seven-inning doubleheaders and how important they are and what they mean and all that bullshit, you know. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) All right, we're signing off. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. All right.